as soon as you're drawing, you're just like not thinking about, you know, trying to sack somebody or you know, trying to get <laughs> My dad had already known the news that, oh, I'm going by adopted. He was breaking down, crying, and it was just like, I'm just so happy that, you know, you're just embracing who you are. I'm trying to be that dude. I'm trying to be the guy that, you know, comes after a, a, a guy like a Suggs, a guy like a, you know, all the big time 99s that we've had here. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. Off the bye, feel rested, relaxed, rested, ready to go, ready for the second half push. Nice. Did you have some pumpkin beers over the bye? I did have pumpkin beers. It was Halloween weekend, so if you're not having pumpkin beers at Halloween, exactly, and also you're doing it wrong. You're doing it way wrong. And as a proven pumpkin beer veteran here, yes, you don't make the mistake. This is the mistake that everyone makes. You go out Halloween, Halloween day, and you say, "Oh, I want one for trick or treat tonight." They're gone. They're gone. Oh yeah, no, you got to get. You got to stock up. I, now we've had this conversation. Yeah, they, they the, put them out too. So they put them out the Fourth yeah, yeah. of July. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> I resist it. Fourth of July. I resist buying them too soon. But you got to get in that sweet spot. Oh, well, it's like you, early to mid October. That's when you stock up on your I, pumpkin. Beers. I picked them up in September. I picked really? them up. No, see, you're, no, you're, you're fueling the fire. You're you're part of the problem. Well, you, you, if you're, you just have to take matters into your own hands. <laughs> I'm sorry that's still the there problem. In early October. Not as, some of the good ones are gone. I actually, I was at the store the other day. It's all Christmas beer now. All of it. All of it. So Get the hell out of here. Yeah, all of it. So, but yes, definitely enjoyed some pumpkin beer. Oh, well, I weekend. mean, a Halloween on a Sunday with a buy. It, it's chilly. It doesn't get better than that. Nice chill. It was beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Anyway, anyway, we're, that's behind us. Now yes. we're back in grind mode. A couple of grinders yes. right here. Going into a big week nine game against the Minnesota Vikings. The Ravens. Historically, it played really well coming off the bye under John Harbaugh. Uh, it, it's going to be a good game. I mean, the Vikings are, they have a good offense. They have some, some weapons. But the Ravens are getting healthier, yep. which is great news. You know, they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, but getting some guys back off the shelf, which is like making a move. Yep. Um, so uh, I'm really excited for this game. But before we get into that, we've got a big time guess. Big time guess. Big in size. Big in athleticism. We've, big in impact. Big in impact. We've got rookie first-round pick Odafe Owe joining the lounge today. Let's jump into that interview. Odafe, I, I want to start here. Your sketches are pretty great. And, and one stood out to me in particular. That's the Mario sketch, okay? Are you a Mario Kart guy? I was, like, when I was younger, I was just a big Mario fan. Like, okay. I had um, Smash Bros. Um, six, the 64, you know. The, the system, the uh-huh. GameCube, obviously Wii, all Nintendo. I just loved Mario, and then I'm a type of, I'm a type of artistic guy where like whatever I have like the most interests and whatever like is like a big part of my life in that in that situation. I just I just need to draw it. Right. So that that time in my life it was Mario. Um, I loved everything about it. So I would always just sketch different types of Mario's, like whether it was cartoon, 3D. Just, just different stuff. Oh, N64 is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N64 is the best. Yeah, it was. I, I, I was, the N64, like, when I, that was like our, well, you, you know, your heyday is a little before my heyday. Oh, I was <laughs> super NES, straight how, up how Nintendo. Old, how old are you? Why are they <laughs> I, I know, I'm not that old. What am I, 37? 37, that's, that's not, not that old. old. Bro. That's not old. That's ancient by his standard, by football <laughs> standards, but. Yeah. Adolphus like, I think I know someone who's 37. kind <laughs> <laughs> <I> of <know. laughs> But your other sketch caught my eye, though, too. The guy yeah. smoking. I was like, oh, all right. That was future. It was future. Oh, that's you. Okay, okay. Yeah. I got you. All right. I got you. I got you. So how did you, how did you get into it? Um, so my dad actually, um, he he does all that. He draws, paints, oil paint. Um, 
you know, color, uh, color pencils. He did all that uh, um, when I was when I was really young. So I was just always looking at him do it. You know, I, I would watch him sketch and just you know really bring things to life on the paper, and I, I fell in love with that. And obviously, I think biologically, he gave me the gift as well. So I just always wanted to sketch, draw, you know, do things with my hands. You know, just 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 try to create something. So you know, I, I've always had at a young age, I, I've like low key kind of digressed and not tried to you know do it as much just because of the amount of time that um you know I have right now and how much time consuming it is. So I got to get back to it. You know, and is it kind of a like a stress reliever, relaxing? Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like as soon as you're drawing, you're just like not thinking about. You know, trying to sack somebody or you know, <laughs> win and just, you know, just draw and just try to bring your your thoughts and put it on paper. It's really, you know, stress relief. I got to show you some of my sketches, some of my portraits. Draw, yeah. Oh, I draw too, oh, dude. I do portraits too. Nice. Yeah, flip them, flip them. Okay. What? See, so this you, is. So how do you, how do you do this? You See, do, I do a grid it's pattern. It's a lot of shading, yeah. Okay. Right. So I just take a picture. I'm like really, I can't do it for my brain. Okay. I have to have a picture, and then I can no, recreate that like really well. That's all. That's me. Like I gotta. Like if I see it, I'm drawing it. But, right. Like, in terms of like really trying to like think about it and put it in the paper, I struggle a little bit. But yep, it's I, hard. If I see you, oh, yeah, I'm gonna draw that. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you guys do? You set it up like off to the side, and then you're you're looking at it as you're drawing. Is that how you guys do it? I just or, have like a paper to the side. Yeah, paper to the side. Looking at it. Mirror everything. Do you so, grid it? Do you grid your drawing out first? Do you do yeah. like the two by two grid? Yeah, I grid it, mm-hmm. and I do like, do like the you know, sculpt his, his you know his body if it's like a whole body or sculpt yep. his face you know, and then just try to you know outline it. Nice. So when I steadily start drawing the details, so yeah. I'm, See, I'm we, like when that. we get stressed out, we're just gonna come <laughs> in here and start drawing together. Draw, so we're gonna take the podcast studio yeah. and make a little art studio. <laughs> exactly. It is really a stress reliever. Same way. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, so another thing that I thought, you know, we'll, we'll get to some football later in this podcast, but I, I, I want to talk about you and your personality a little bit and who you are. I thought it was really cool. Uh, when you talked to Clifton Brown for our feature story, you said your dad called you a lion yep. growing up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, that, that's my dad. You know, he's just a very, um, bold and courageous person. And like, he's really intentional with everything he does. And he, he believes that if you don't have a plan, uh, you plan to, you plan to fail. So like. When I was growing up, he always told me attack everything with that lion. Like you're the you're the king of the jungle. You're the you're the guy. So when you you don't necessarily have to be the guy at that moment, or you like, believe right. it. But if you manifest it and keep on saying it and just telling yourself, you're, "I'm the lion. I'm the guy. I'm the dude. I'm gonna get it done." It's just it's just gonna happen. It's gonna you manifest it to happen. And, you know, I've I've just been carrying that ever since I was young. And, you know, that's my that's my dog. My my dad, you know, he's really just motivated me to be everything I can be and really find my purpose. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself like telling yourself that now in the NFL? You know, yeah. being a rookie in the NFL and kind of being like, Hey man, I can do this, you yeah. know? Yeah, obviously when you get to the NFL, like you're a little skeptical in terms of you just you're you're going to a new level, so you don't right. know, you know, what you're walking into, but you know, you just gotta keep on telling yourself I'm alive, I can do this. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. And once you get that first hit, you get you're out there, you're 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 making plays, it's just really reaffirming yourself and continuing to manifest it. it. It seems like to me like that, like the mental side of the game for you is something that is really kind of an important piece. Like, and I'm not talking about like mental in terms of watching film or anything like that, but mental in terms of having the confidence and knowing that you can do it. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, I feel like you have to with my, with my situation. Obviously, um, I started playing um, pretty late in terms of everyone that was, you know, was playing Pop Warner or like, 
know, as a youngin', I, I was I came late, so a lot of my stuff was, you know, I'm gonna will myself to dominate the person in front of me because you know I might not be in the same level in terms of knowing the game, knowing the scheme as much as someone that's been playing, you know, since they were you know six years old, like a lot of these guys, but. I'm outman you. I'm a one on one. You're not. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna go like that. And it's that mentality where you know, you got to beat the man in front of you. And if he beats you, all right, I'm gonna come back and I'm, I'm gonna smack you and beat you. That ain't gonna keep that, happening. It's, it's not gonna keep happening. It's just that that will to, to to dominate. And like I said, my dad is still that in me. And I feel like you keep on. That's how you. That's how you exceed in football. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other big thing with you was when you were got drafted. You know. Coming out and saying my name's Odafe, you know, and kind of claiming that Nigerian heritage of yeah. yours, and, and that was a really powerful moment. It was really cool to see. Uh, you know, what were the emotions like? What was running through your head at the time, and made you want to do that? Um, you know, I, 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 everyone thinks it was premeditated. It really wasn't. I, it was just like a spur of the moment. I felt like, you know, as soon as I called my, they called my name, and you know, all this hard work, all this like self-validation I had to do just to lead up to this purpose. It was just like, I made it. And I just felt I had all my culture, all my people around me, you know, people from Nigeria, people just that I haven't seen in a while just because, you know, I've been doing my thing in in college and, you know, you just, you don't always see your family. And I just saw so many, everything that helped me get to this stage Mm -hmm. within my culture, how I was raised, you know, the the food I was eating, Mm -hmm. that's even a different story. (laughs) But, um, I want to hear more about that. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was, I was just so over, like overwhelmed and filled with like, just, just pride with, with with who I am. And I I felt like we're going with Jason, even though that's my name, that's my middle name. I wasn't really showcasing everything I am. And, you know, I was trying to be in this cookie cutter of, you know, what, what everyone, um, you know, thought, you know, a black athlete was like, I, I feel like I'm bigger than that. I'm, 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 I'm a black American, but I'm also, you know, I have, I have culture and, and you know, yeah. I'm Nigerian as well. And I feel like Nigerians are in a spot right now where they need to be in that spotlight because they're doing a lot of good things, not just in sports, you know, in entertainment, um, you know, uh, you know, the music industry and stuff like that. And I feel like I just, I just want to, I just want to show people that, you know, Nigerians are doing a big thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, because culture can get whitewashed, you know, unless it's like claims, you know, and and I thought that was really cool. And and just the way that like, you know, your name means a wealthy individual, Odafe does, and and not just wealthy in terms of money, which I'm sure that's going to come over your career. You keep playing the way you are. Please. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming. But like, I thought it was cool that it's like human support, wellness, like this like kind of deeper meaning of of a wealthy individual. And you're kind of representing that and your culture and bringing it all to the table. That's very cool. And, and the other thing with that is, so after you you kind of make that declaration, which you said it was kind of spur of the moment, night of the draft, I remember we're on the call with you, and you're like, no, it's not Jason anymore, it's yeah. Adafi. And, yeah. and, and so at, at like the next day or a couple of days after, were you like, I am so glad that I did that? Yeah, like, it wasn't even the next day. It was that night because, you know, mm-hmm. I had to celebrate with my family. and Because I, I made a call with you guys outside because the house was so loud. <laughs> yeah. I heard my name, so I had to rush outside and – talk to you guys so when I came back in it was only it was like a matter of like three minutes my dad had already known the news that oh I'm going by Adolphin he was breaking down crying and was just like I'm just so happy that you know you're just embracing who you are and you're not you're not just you know people are obviously are not gonna are gonna have trouble pronouncing it. people are gonna have trouble understanding what you are because it's different but just embrace it because you can't run away from who you are you can't run away from 
what your purpose is, what, what, you know, like this is your name. This is who you are. And it's wealth. And it's not just, you know, monetary wealth. It's just, it's everything. So, you know, just embrace it. And God is going to continue to bless you and continue to, you know, show you your purpose. That's, that's, what was that moment like for you? Like, obviously your dad has had a significant impact. Uh You talked about the lion piece and now the night you're drafted or the, that's, kind of a massive decision on your name is made and, and you're talking with him minutes after just, I'm sure in an emotional mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. what was that like? It's like, I'm telling you like that, that whole day was a, it was a roller coaster just cause you know, you don't know what your future is. And you know, just from going from anxiety and not knowing what you were going to do, where, where were you going to get drafted? If people were going to pick you it's, and then you turn around and you, you're just embracing your culture and you got drafted, you know where you're going, you know where your future is at least for the next four or five years, it's just so, so like a weight lifted off your vest and just uh, off your chest and, or shoulders. And you just really just look back and thank God for everything you've been through, the hard work, the adversity, you know. And then you just got to give thanks to your parents because my parents went through so much and they sacrificed so much, put us all through private school. Um, and I don't know how they did it, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, income was, you know, it, it was tough, but the way they did it and just sacrificed their well-being and their dreams to hope that, you know, we can get to, you know, where we're at. It's just, I was just so happy to see them cry and, and just like cry, like tears of joy. It, it, it was crazy. I can't explain it. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, but it was, it was good. It was <laughs> That's good. cool. What, what was childhood like growing up in Howell, New Jersey? Um, and from my red, pretty white yep. area, mm-hmm. you know, so you kind of stood out as the tall, you stood know, out. black kid in school, you know, um. <laughs> what, what, what was it like? Um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was definitely, it was different. You know, I love how, I love what it's done for me and what it, how how it made me. But, you know, it was just, your house is in the middle of, you know, it was called Candlewood Commons. It's like, Mm. yeah, but you're the only Nigerian, you're the only African, you're really one of the only black people around everything. So in your house, it's like culture. You're eating like Nigerian food, you're, you're, Nigerian movies, you're getting taught, you're getting disciplined like a Nigerian, like as in you're, if you're in Africa. Mm. But then you go to school and you go to hang out with your friends. And you actually, my parents were strict. So even that, it was, it, they made sure that I wasn't hanging out with people too much. So, <laughs> um, but going to school, it was just so different. Like I was going to school, it was a whole different culture. It was a whole different way how people handled themselves, talked. Um, like, so it was just like hard, just, trying to change, like, you know, go from carrying yourself as, you know, this African culture and just going to, to, to school all the time and having to change, like, mm-hmm. your dynamic. And it's like one were. world yeah, to another. Yeah, it's like two different worlds. And right. it was tough because, but it was good because it helped, it helped me and it allowed me to adapt and be able to, you know, talk with, with people and, that and, and like, you know, Caucasian white people. Mm-hmm. It, it helped me, you know, be able to handle myself in that situation. And it made me a more overall, you know, well-rounded, you know, individual. Right. And also, I would imagine, kind of taught you how to embrace being different, yeah, you know, different, like yeah. like we talked about, mm-hmm. you know. And that's an important lesson for a lot of kids out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Being different, different is good, you mm-hmm. know. That's exactly. an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would imagine that that sports. How, how did that? How important was that in yeah. your household? You have what two younger brothers, two right? Younger brothers. Do you have any sisters or just three boys? I, I have an older sister. Yep. Okay. My name is Natasha. Okay. She's my dog, my best friend. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So I got your other brother, your athlete, your brothers are athletes, right? And so all you guys played basketball growing up. Yep. So I got to believe that in your household, sports was a huge piece of the equation. It's crazy. It, it, obviously it was, we were all athletic, but 
you know, they were they were African, so they were driving they were driving academics. Okay. I always say it was like the five pair. It was either being an engineer, a doctor, um, <laughs> scientist. Just you got you had to be in one of those. So, but until we started getting really good at what we were doing, like obviously basketball. And then me later into football, my parents kind of, you know, slowly started. Was, All right, you can <laughs> pay attention to sports. <laughs> I don't care about being an engineer right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but it's been big in our family. My mom loves basketball. She's a huge LeBron fan. Like, it's crazy how much she's a fan of him. So it really started with basketball and just a drive to be competitive. We're a competitive house, too, like really competitive. So me and my brothers, we would always just try to one-up each other and try to, you know, be great in whatever we put our minds to. But um you know, I, athletics really just helped us in, in, like what I was talking about before, just being in a, a spot where, um, you know, you were you were the odd man out. You were different. But athletics really helped me, like, you know, integrate and, you know, just, just, just be with people and just, you know, be able to make friends with, you know, people that didn't like look like, look like me. Right. So what grade did you start playing football? Um, I started junior Junior year, wow. So what what made you make that transition? When, Probably because a football you, coach never stopped banging down his door saying, get on yeah, the football field. Yeah. <laughs> He's harassing me. Uh, Jim Saylor, that's my dog. I, mean, I, I appreciate you. appreciate him so much, and I owe him a lot because, uh, you know, like I said, I made that switch to football mainly because of him and the situation I was in. You know, I was switching schools. The school I was in, Rutgers Prep, didn't have football. Mm. It was a private school, but it, it was straight. I went there for basketball, so – um, you know, once basketball didn't work out and, you know, my situation in the school wasn't, you know, going to be conducive to how my future was going to go, I had to make a, a switch and, and go to a different school, which is Blair Academy. And obviously they told me that um, in order for me to get, you know, my scholarship to go to the school, I had to, you know, play two sports. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't trying to – I wasn't having that because my, 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 my mindset <laughs> at this time was that I wanted to go to the NBA. And if I was playing football or another sport – I was going to be. I wasn't going to be focused and you know, be able to put my all into basketball. And, you know, try to try to right. go to the league. So I was kind of. I was kind of mad. You know. But, uh, <laughs> so you got forced into I it. I got basically. forced into it. That's the crazy part. And you know, my coach Jim Saylor, he was he was irritating. How you know he just kept on you know pressing me to play football. And I always say it's God because in any other situation, I would have just not. I would have not played it. Mm. But something just told me that I should just do it. I could have went to a different school and just played basketball. Right. You know, I had to go to Blair and then, you know, the rest is history. At that point. That's interesting. So how long did it take before you started kicking booty? On the football field? <laughs> um, it took probably, um, you know, it was probably that first season. Uh, my first game. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's probably the first couple weeks. Couple weeks. Uh, to the quarterback. It took like it took like two weeks because the first game, the first game, um, I, I got my ribs blown out and, you know, Ooh. I was running down on kickoff, and you know I was pumping, I'm 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 coming from playing basketball, so I'm running high. Right. I'm not looking at what's going on, and some kickoff return guy just knocks me clean. Man, I had to go to the hospital. Ooh. I could have sworn that was the last time I, I touched the football, touched the pigskin. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I had to pick myself up by my uh, my straps and just you know get back on the field. And shortly after that, I adjusted and you know started just continually getting better. Mm. And at what point did coaches? from colleges start calling after my, my first season. Yeah. And they said, we think you can play this football thing in college. Yeah. They were like, yeah, stop playing basketball. Like my actually my <laughs> basketball coach, he told me, you know, when, cause after football ends, that's when basketball mm-hmm. starts. So he had a meeting with me. He was like, you need to make a decision on what you want to do because one, it's hurting my recruiting. I don't know if you're all in with basketball because 
you have your situation is you can go to the NFL for football, but you can go to college for basketball, do four years, and then have to find like a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, so he he let me know right there I had to make a decision. And I still play basketball, but at this point I was like I was bought into football. Was it at all like? Did it feel like you were giving up something that you loved? Like I, I oh yeah, man. yeah. People think it's so easy to you know make that transition because obviously. You're playing football now. You're in the NFL now. But they don't understand, like, how it could be psychologically to change what you thought your makeup was to play in the league and to be an NBA. And, God, like, I was – but be granted, I had to pay attention to what I was actually – I was a 6'5 center. Those don't – I got to translate to the league. (laughs) Got to be closer to seven foot. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I wasn't going to translate to the league. So, you know, it it took me a lot – it took a lot for me to actually try to switch gears and just come come to terms with – what my plan was, what my purpose was. But as soon as I started seeing, getting more success, I was like, yeah, this is what my calling was. I should have just found it earlier. But, you know, everyone has a path that they need to find. And, you know, when you find it, you just got to run with it. Right. So you go to Penn State, and you are playing really, really well there. Mm-hmm. And then your final season, and this, there's so much made out of this, with the no sacks thing. You know, didn't get a sack in your last season, which people are like, all right, we're going to draft this guy to be a pass rusher. Yeah. Like, what's this about, you know? How much did that bother you, like all that chatter? Um, you know, obviously, if someone tells you it doesn't bother them, it's they're lying. It, it, <laughs> right. it bothered me, you know. Obviously, I'm a competitor. I know who I am and what I can be. And the people around me, like Penn State, you know, staff, even my teammates, they knew they knew what it was. They knew what type of player I could be, you know, and stuff like that. So it, it was tough for me, you know, having to read all that stuff. You know, you know my my you know draft future, my actually my future being in jeopardy because I made that decision to declare. Right. And, you know, after that, that's when everyone, you know, started being critics and, you know, we're film analysts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it took a lot of like self-confidence and just like I told you, just affirming manifest that you're lying. You could do it. You're, you could do it. There's a reason why you're in this position. There's a reason why you got drafted. Right. And, you know, I took that into draft prep. I took that into um, my pro day. I took that into how I approached my, my meetings and everything and just was trying to be bold and just believe that, you know, you could do it. You just got to work harder. You, you came late. You started in this game late, man. You're going to have growing pains. You just got to learn. Everyone has what they go through. You just got to learn. Bro. Right. Did you did you have a good idea that the Ravens wanted you pretty badly? So I had, like, I think two meetings with, with Drew. But um, if you know Drew, he's, like, a real nonchalant, cool, sarcastic guy. So <laughs> he didn't give me, like, yeah, we need you type, type right. vibe. So it was more like there was conversation, you know, Typical to ask me questions, but the crazy part is like I think two weeks or a week before I got drafted, I got I did a radio show with a, a Baltimore a Baltimore um you know ra- uh, radio show, mm-hmm. um and they were telling me how you know they think I'm I'm gonna come here and I think I'm gonna come here, but <laughs> I was trying to make a story, but I didn't really know I was coming here, and the fact that you know it happened like this, my sister lives here, yeah, and you know oh, that's cool, I'm like three hours away from Jersey, it had to be fake, so. So, so when you get to the NFL and early on you make it, you make an immediate impact on the team, right? You have that huge, huge play against the Chiefs. You almost got a sack in the first game. Almost right? got a sack. Game. Almost no, tracked it down. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Did, did you I take did. down Derek Carr in come the first on, game? Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, see. <laughs> He's got the critics right here. <laughs> <laughs> my face, my face. 
<laughs> yeah, so first Shane, that's right. Tracked him down on the outside. I remember now. Yeah, see, he, he heard <laughs> yeah. So, so you tracked down Derek Carr in your first game, which we all remember. Yeah, yeah we all remember. Unforgettable never, play. Never forget. Unforgettable play. Never forget. <laughs> and then, and then you have the huge play against the Chiefs. Um, do you feel vindicated? Like in those moments, do you feel like you guys didn't think I was going to get any sacks. It took you one game, and I'm here. I don't ever want to say I feel vindicated. Obviously, I want to prove more. But, you know, it was just such a weight off my shoulder. If you see me after the play, I'm like, oh, yes, fine. <laughs> Leave me alone now. Man. Let, me just, let me just play now. And then, you know, I'm just trying to take it to more levels and try to, you know, you know, try to be more dominant. But, you know, it was definitely a weight off my shoulder. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about Justin Houston? You know, you, you've you nicknamed him Yoda. Mm. Uh, does that make you Luke Skywalker, by the way? I've tried. I'm tried. I'm tried. <laughs> You're trying to get that to I'm stick? i to get it. <laughs> still got to learn, man. What, can, how big of an impact has he had on you in the early going here? Yeah, you know, like I said, you know, Justin's Yoda. You know, he just, he knows. Like, he just got so much wisdom. And you, you see it with the way he handles himself and the way he works after practice, the way he, he just takes on, like, blocks, you know how he pass rushes, it's just like he's calm and he just sees it. And the way he, like, just moves his hands, it's like, it's like he, I don't, I don't, like, it's like, it's a force. Like, he knows, like, <laughs> what's what's going on. Like, even plays, he reads it way before, you know, it, it happens, you know, before it, it you know, it unloads and stuff like that. So he's just, the way he's just been able to, to, like, teach me how to be a pro and how to watch film and how to carry myself like, as a man too. Like that's what I appreciate him as well. It's not just football; it's outside of football too. It's like I have someone that's done it already, that's still doing it, and I'm I'm just learning, and, you know, just picking his brain. And I can say I, I can say that for Calais as well. You know, I just have so much, you know, knowledge and and just experience around me, and I'm just so grateful. For it. Now you're you're in the defensive rookie of the year chatter right now mm-hmm. with. A former teammate, Micah Parsons. Sticks. <laughs> Sticks. Well, well, I know you two are pretty competitive with each other in workouts oh, and all that stuff yeah, in college. Yeah. What's it like right now? You guys text back and forth? Oh, yeah. like We always text. I told him it's, it's always been me and you, bro. We've always been. It's always been. I push him. He pushes me. You know, we're, we're our biggest competitions besides ourselves. And, you know, I told him that, yo, it's. I'm, I'm gonna try to get it every every week. <laughs> I try to get it every week, but you know, I still love you, bro. But we we, we competing, man. This is for money now. We gotta get this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have a realistic shot. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's no shade on anybody else on this team, but I mean, in terms of the most impactful defensive player this year, I mean, mm-hmm. impact plays like you might be that on the defense this year. I mean, what's that early success do for you in terms of you know giving you that confidence at the start of your career and being able to build on that? Uh, it just it just gives me a more of a try to go because I just know that I'm not even at the scratching the surface of where I can be at, man. I'm just, I'm still like I'm five years into the sport and I'm just I'm still learning every day. I'm still picking brains. I'm still even trying to watch film at a better level, a higher level. And you know everything's details on this level, on the NFL level. Everyone is just so gifted that you know if if you can have a little jump on on somebody, you know it makes a big difference. So. I just, I just so I'm so grateful for where I'm at right now. I just, I just want to continue to get better. This is the last one for me because we know you got to get out to practice. Mm-hmm. You, you always say that you kind of feel like you're just scratching the surface, tip of the iceberg. What does that look like? Like when you, when you look at your career, the rest of this season and, and years beyond, like what does that success look like to you? Um, you know, I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to be like I'm trying to be that dude. I'm trying to be the guy that you know comes after a, a, a guy like a Suggs, a guy like a you know. All the big time ninety nines that we've had here, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to leave a legacy and try to, like I, when I got drafted, I told you guys that you know 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure this pick is is one of those ones that you talk about. And I'm, I'm really just trying to work. Like I'm, I'm a workhorse. I just always want to get better. I'm always. I'm so competitive with myself that you guys don't understand. So <laughs> I think I'm, I understand a little bit. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to be everything I could be. So, you know, my, if my potential is being, you know, one of those golden jacket guys, that's what it is. But best, best believe I'm, I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to get it. Sunday is right around the corner. Draft your lineups now to feel the sweat with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Baltimore Ravens. Life is more fun when you have skin in the game. Download the DraftKings app to check out all the action and daily contests. New users enter code FLOCK when signing up to get a special offer. That's code FLOCK and get a special sign-up bonus. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Cool. I tell you, man, every time we talk to him, I just like the kid more. Yeah, I come away more impressed every single time. Yeah. I felt that way, like, even going back to draft night, like, I just felt like he had a serious demeanor. Mm-hmm. And then when he was here the next day, I liked him. And then when he's here, you know, like, just every single time, you're like, you, you learned a little bit more. It was awesome hearing some of his story. And mm-hmm. I just feel like he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's immensely talented. Obviously, the athleticism is off the charts. Of course, we all know that. But I just feel like he's got the mental side to pair with that athleticism, and exactly. that's a, a rare combination. I should have asked him about Drew Wilkins popping his hammy at the end of that Detroit game. <laughs> yeah, you I, I meant to ask him you about sh- that. You should have. That's a bummer. Because um, that's got to be a good feeling as a player. You know, you see your coach get Get kind of injured, put on the shelf. That's be a good <laughs> Everyone's laying it all out there on the field. <laughs> um, anyway, great dude. And I- I'm excited to see what he does over these last 10 regular season games because right now he leads the Ravens in sacks. We'll give him credit for the one in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, ex- I expect that he could finish that way, to be honest. I mean, Justin Houston is getting some pressure. Yep. He had a lot of pressure early in that Bengals game and just didn't. He was like a, fr- a hair away mm-hmm. several times. Um, but I think Odafe is going to finish atop the pile. Yeah, I think that he's obviously he's not catching anybody by surprise if he did at the start of the season. Yep. You know, I think that teams are going to be game planning against him, which kind of that's that's – Next the step. give and take here for a rookie. All of a sudden, you come out there and you play well, and now teams start game planning against you. How do you respond? And I think that's kind of the 2.0 version yep. of what we're going to see from him. Uh, but I completely agree with what you said to him, which is that if you're just laying out the most impactful player on defense, I think it's got to be him. Mm-hmm. He's come up with the big plays and the biggest moments. The force fumble against the Colts. They're up seven early in that game. If he doesn't make that play, yeah. he the Ravens fumbled, are in a bigger hole. Force fumble against the Colts, force fumble. Obviously uh, against the Chiefs. Chiefs, he just comes. And up he with caused the plays. interception too. His yep. pressure on Mahomes really led to Tavon Young's interception against the Chiefs. I also believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that he caused the pressure that led to the pick in Vegas that Anthony Averett got uh, in overtime or at the end of the fourth quarter. There, going back a little, I know the Ravens it didn't win the that game. Time, yeah, right. The Ravens obviously didn't win that game, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. he just seems to elevate his play at the biggest moments. Yeah. And that is something that you like. Like he he, you want rookie players and young players to not be scared of the moment. Yeah, and he is not scared of the moment. He's a lion. All. He's a lion, man. The guy is he's he's immensely talented. So well, and Rashad Bateman's looked pretty darn good too. So two Ravens first round picks, you know, early in their careers, looking like two hits. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a great sign, a yep. really good sign. So, um, Vikings game this week. Yes. Just want to get your take on kind of what you expect. You get to watch him a little bit. 
you know, it's always it is always nice. You got the Sunday night game. They play Dallas, so you get a little taste of them uh, to see what they've got. What do you think? I mean, Kirk Cousins, he can sling the ball around, and they got talented receivers. Mm-hmm. The Ravens have the thirty second rate to pass defense, so it's going to be a challenge when they're going up against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Cousins is slinging the ball around. Yep, and Dalvin so, Cook, it, yeah, He's well, one of the best running backs in the league, right? So yeah, I mean, this is a test for the Ravens defense, which has not been particularly good. Uh, when you step back and look at the big picture so far this season, obviously dominant game against the LA Chargers and then really kind of flopped against the Bengals. This is a game, a big game for Marlon Humphrey. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Marlon had obviously a tough day against Jamar chase of the Bengals. And now he's probably going to get a healthy dose of Justin Jefferson. I don't know if they'll give him the same kind of assignment that they gave him for Jamar chase because I mean, it's not a one-man show in Cincy either. They have yeah. three good wide receivers. Maybe I don't know if they'll put Marlon on shadowing Justin Jefferson because Thielen's pretty good on the other side too. So, but it, I think it's a big game for him. You know, that one I think hurt his pride a little bit. And you know, he's had, uh, you know, he gave up a touchdown against the the Raiders. You know, in, in Week One, gave up a long one against the Chiefs. This is, I think, a big game for him to kind of prove that he's that elite guy that we all know he is and can be when he's playing at the top of his game. Yeah, I, I, it is a it is a really important game, um, and I agree that I think there's going to be a lot on Marlon's shoulders. I'm also curious to see who the Ravens ultimately get back. Mm-hmm. Derek Wolf returned to practice right before the bye. He we haven't seen him since the middle of training camp. Uh, there's a chance Latavius Murray and Sammy Watkins get back on the field this week. There's a chance that Nick Boyle makes his debut. So you uh, could I think have, that would be big. Yeah, you could have Nick Boyle and Derek Wolf making their debuts and then get some key players back on offense. It's not a full-strength offense, you know, in comparison to what you thought it was going to be the start of the season. Stanley's not out there. Yeah, yeah. Running backs, obviously. But but it's closer to full strength. You know, it's as close to full strength as you're going to get right now. I think we can reveal that we bumped into J.K. Dobbins today. Yeah. Outside the locker room. But he's been, he's been, he's been trained. I guess that's that's the first time you've seen him. (laughs) I haven't seen him. He's been around. I didn't know. I hadn't seen him. Yeah. Yeah, he's been here for a while. Well, is he at the the peanut butter machine? That's that's where I am. That's the only place you go. I haven't seen him there. (laughs) By the way, uh, in addition to the peanut butter machine. Oh, the orange juice. Orange juice is back. Uh, Oh, I hit it this morning. The orange juice machine is back. And for listeners, it's it's one of those orange juice machines where they got like a basket of oranges, a million oranges at the top, and then it runs the oranges through the machine Mm -hmm. and gets fresh pressed orange juice. Oh, it's excellent. It's incredible. (laughs) It's excellent. It's the best orange juice I've ever had. You know... It doesn't get any our fresher. Next draft could be like a cafeteria Raven draft. Snacks. <laughs> Raven's cafeteria draft. That might not be bad. One other side tangent here as we're talking about drafts. One year, I believe we did the Halloween candy draft, I think. I believe that's correct. I need to clown you because your Halloween candy stash that you were providing to kids was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. For listeners out there, make... <laughs> Had a bag of dum dums, and that's, that's what he all. gave. That's not all. And that he, was what I had at the last minute when I was worried about my stash. He tried didn't to have enough. Justify the the candy that he was giving to these kids, and said I had great candy. I had a bag of three hundred dum dums, and that's I what I also got. had not the fun size, but I had the miniature size. That's one step below fun size oh, yeah. of the chocolates with the Snickers and the Kit Kats and all that. Now that was pretty. But shabby you were also. you were you were 
defending the dum dum. Dum dums are great. They're Kids not love great. dum dums. They're not great. They are. They're not great. You get a ha- you get a haircut. What's the first thing you want after you get exactly. out that, You want a dum dum. Well, that's the thing. Like, you, you, look, uh, there's not a great snack or a great candy if they hand it out at barbershops and dry why? cleaners and oil why? change spots. Why not? Because that's just like the cheapest. Most just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's bad. You are too highfalutin, Mister Napa. No, no. Here's here's the thing. <laughs> if we were to rattle off, I think even when we did the the candy draft, we didn't even put dum dums on the list because we knew it was so terrible. We knew they sucked. Uh, if you don't like dum-dums, you're a dum-dum. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Let us know what you think of Mink handing out some dum-dums to, to kids for Halloween <laughs> as the only thing that those kids got. That's not the only thing. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Um, so, all right, we talked peanut butter. We talked orange juice. We talked dum-dums. Is there anything <laughs> else that we want to get off our chest before the Ravens get on the field this week? Uh, I'm excited to see this offense. I do think we talked about Nick Boyle coming back on the field. I think the Ravens obviously have to run the ball better with their running backs over the final 10 games of the regular season here. Let's just stop saying that. Over the rest of the season because playoffs, come on. Yeah, come yeah. On. Over the rest of the way. They have to run the ball better. And I do think that uh, the return of Nick Boyle can really make a difference in that. Now, we have to see how healthy he is. You know, are, are we at 100% Nick Boyle coming off that knee injury with the setbacks or or what? You know, he's going to have to shake off some rust. I imagine there is some there. But... It's not like the guy's playing wide receiver out there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's a he's a blocker, and and so I think that he can make a difference, kind of spearheading that attack. He and Ricard, that combination is pretty nasty. Um, I don't think like the Ravens are suddenly going to be the best running game running team in the league, you know. But I, unless J.K. Dobbins can get out there, hobble it up, you know, I saw him. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think they can be a lot better than they have been. So I think that's a big development. And as this offensive line gets healthier, once Patrick McCarry gets back, they get into a, hopefully they can get into a little bit of a groove. They can stay healthy. That'll make a difference as well. So I'm excited to see this offense, you know, get Sammy back. I'm excited to see it take the next step. You know how excited I am to get all three of those wide receivers on the field together. Yeah. Sammy, Bateman, and Hollywood. Yeah. So... I'm excited for where the Ravens sit right now. There's a big game against the Vikings. The first time playing them at MT Bank Stadium since the snow game. One of the all-time great games at MT yep. Bank Stadium. Yes. So the, the last hopefully thing, we don't have that. The, the other thing that I'm curious to see is if there's any sort of new wrinkles coming out of the bye. Because this was yeah. like the self-scouting process. We talked with Ken McCusick. You know how excited I was about the idea Duvernay? of Duvernay in the backfield. Does that happen? Um, <laughs> or anything like that. Is there any other wrinkles that, they, that Greg Roman and Wink Martindale roll out? Uh, to try to help both of their units. I think that that's – I'll be keep, keeping an eye on that. If we if DuVernay lines up in the backfield as a running back, we're sending Ken a bottle of wine. <laughs> You're buying it. You're, <laughs> we're nah. send, we're I'm send, sending Ken some dum-dums. Exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> You're not a dum-dum. <laughs> anyway, buckle up because it's purple versus purple, and you better be ready for a boo.